You're listening to episode 102 of the Mud Stories podcast, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments, hope to make it through your mud, and encouragement for you to know that you are never, ever alone. Welcome. I'm so very glad you're here. And today we're going to dive deep into some mud, but we're also going to get to witness the profoundness of the redemption God brings, even through what seems like some mud you may never survive. Today, my sweet friend Edie Wadsworth is here, and I can't be more thrilled. Edie is a writer and a blogger who quit her job as a family practice physician almost a decade ago and has been living a full life teaching and raising children, cooking up a storm, and stealing away to read incredible books. On most days, you'll find her at home running a business or two, including her obsession with Young Living's essential oils and their amazing power to heal and renew. And you'll also find her obsessed with art and design, all things Texas, banjo music, cowboy boots, quirky home decor, southernness, and making her peeps sing karaoke and do photo booths with her since a girl's got to entertain herself. Edie lives near the Appalachian Mountains of East Tennessee, is a mom to nine, and the author of her very first book, a spiritual memoir entitled All the Pretty Things. Edie, welcome to the show. I'm so excited you're here. Hi, Jackie. I'm so thankful to be here, too. Yay. I love with you. We just get to chat formally now. <laughs> I know. This is so awesome. Okay. Well, I must tell you before we begin, for the record, that I have loved you from afar even before we became friends. Oh. It's so true. I stalked your blog posts as you traveled to Nicaragua with Compassion International. Do you remember that? I do. Yes. It was amazing. Yep. And one of our sweet compassion girls, her name is Myerly, is from the center that you visited there. Oh, yep. how sweet. I know. So I I also knew you were a heart sister when I heard you speak on the topic of grace at the Alum blogging conference all those years ago. I think that was like three or four years ago. And I'm just so thankful we've become friends and I can't wait to share you with everyone. Or how do you say in the South? All y'all. All y'all. All y'all. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, I have to say that I remember meeting you at a loom and you have the sweetest spirit and I couldn't be more grateful and more honored that our paths just keep crossing and our friendship keeps deepening. And I'm so thankful. Me, me too. And I have to tell you, your book, seriously, I read in less than 48 hours. I could not put it down. My husband, Thad, was like, what are you reading? You can't even focus while we're at dinner or, you know, doing whatever. And I, I just have to say, it is a gift to us all. It's it's almost like an offering that you set up on an altar to bless each and every one of us. I can't wait to talk about it. I can't wait to share with everyone what it's about. I'm so thankful you wrote it. Oh, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, um, yeah I... Um, you know, in a way, you are going to make me cry already. Aww. How does this happen? Because <laughs> um, you make us cry when we read your book. <laughs> in 
I think it is. Maybe it is offering. It definitely is. Um, it definitely felt like a, a, a sacrificial offering. It took a long time to write, three years. Mm-hmm. It is not the book I wanted to write. I was wanting to write a book where I sounded really smart and um <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to write about the gospel and C.S. Lewis and deep things and it turned out to be just a plain old story of my life and how God just miraculously um worked in in ways that I still don't understand. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Uh, well, and through the writing, I've heard you say there becomes more of an awareness of our own stuff, of our own process, and it really is a long journey home. You know, I, I think you've even spoken of it's still an ongoing journey for you. Yes, for sure. And I think the book, honestly, it has been um, such just uh, just another one of those ways that God has helped me heal. And um, writing the story was one thing. Offering the story to others has been a whole other thing. So it's funny because um, the process of healing from my own pain and suffering and hurt um, was a long journey. And you think you're okay and you think that you're ready to, you know, give this offering to somebody else. But then as they go through it and they have their own journey with it, it really has um it really has taken me right back there so yeah i'm definitely still on the i'm still on the journey <laughs> still healing still finding god's grace and forgiveness and peace and just so thankful that he just won't leave me alone i know i know <laughs> well the thing i find so encouraging and what i want all of our friends with us here today to know as they hear your story is that, you know, it's going to sound like God kind of tied up a lot of the loose ends for you and you're, you know, so to speak, on the other side. But the thing is, we're never on the other side. And as much as we grow, as much as we are privileged to see God redeem parts of our mud, um, there's always hope ahead for more redemption. And, And that's I think you would champion that as well, for sure. For sure, yeah. And for me, it's almost as if every time I learn something or he opens my eyes, what he opens my eyes to is how much he still needs to work and change me. Mm -hmm. And now I see so often that what he's doing in my life, it looks like a trial. It looks like... Um, it's for somebody else. And so much of it is just to change my own heart, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I'm just thankful that he just keeps digging around in there and working and turning things over and showing me how much I need him and showing me my sin. And, you know, yeah, it's definitely an ongoing process. As a matter of fact, I feel less like I've arrived now than ever. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. And it's but it's so true. And I think anyone listening who feels like, goodness, is is my mud ever going to improve? Am I ever going to get to arrive? And the point is, we never arrive, right? And as we share that, and we, you know, we find the freedom to share our stories and to be vulnerable with other people, we find the companionship of of believers and sisters and friends, Mm -hmm. you know, who walk this road with us and, 
uh, to me, that has been such an unexpected blessing in sharing my story. I'm not alone. We're not alone in these hard stories. No. And we can come alongside our sisters and share and, and find, um, just an unbelievable support and, and it's worth it. You know, it's worth it to come out of hiding, to stop pretending we're all okay. We're not all okay. Right. None of us. And, um, and I think we find such freedom. Freedom indeed. I'm curious. Let's start with the title, All the Pretty Things. You know, this book was three years in the making. It, the, the end result isn't what you even anticipated or, you know, wrote a book proposal for in the beginning. Tell me the story behind the title. Well, I have been blogging for eight years. And I love to show the pretty side of life. I like to show food that I made that's beautiful. I love to show, you know, home decor that's fun and pretty. I've spent my life, really, my adult life, (laughs) trying to find beauty because it's so Mm life-giving. And um, so... Anybody who followed me online would go, oh, yeah, of course, she wrote a book about all the pretty things because that's what she likes to talk about, show us. And then they read the book and go, oh, that's not what I thought it was going to be about. So it comes from, I actually took the title. I love Southern uh, literature and I love Cormac McCarthy. He wrote the book called The Road. And there's a quote in that book that um says this, all things of grace and beauty, such that one holds them to one's heart, have a common provenance in pain, their birth in grief and ashes. And um, so really, the truth is, all the pretty things, all the real things, all the really beautiful things come from pain. And, um, and so this is a story of all my hard things that God redeemed. And turn them beautiful, even though from the outside, probably to most people, they still don't look beautiful. But I know um, what he's done in my heart because of the hard things in my life. So all the pretty things is not what you think. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what I loved about it was it reads like a novel. It reads like fiction writing, uh, which, by the way, your writing is stunning. You must know. Um, And I think anyone who reads it will end up agreeing with me. But um, it starts, the story starts in your formative years as a toddler, young preschooler. You begin the story and start to share. And one of the themes is um, about the Appalachian Southern roots that... um, started it all. So maybe you could take us back and start there and help us understand the context of um, the beginning of all the pretty things and how that set things up for what was ahead for you. Yeah. And so my upbringing, there were not very many pretty things ever. And I grew up poor uh, in a trailer park um, with an alcoholic father, a mom who worked two or three jobs. So we were often left with, um, my grandparents, um, and they, you know, did the best they could, but had a really rough life. And we were exposed to things that, you know, I'd be horrified if my kids were exposed to now, Mm -hmm. but back then it was just a way of life. So, um, very, very much poverty, addiction, violence, um, 
not very many things to bring you comfort, to bring you joy, definitely not very many pretty things. And so um, starting from that premise and starting from that place, it really forms who you are. Mm -hmm. You know, when you grow up in an environment like that, it's very forming into how you see the world. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I, I start there because that is the place that formed me. And I think, you know, you mentioned, you know, novel writing, I realized that in my life, the place where I grew up, these mountains, these hills are like a, you know, like a character in my mm -hmm. life. Like they have been really important in forming me. And sometimes I think just the ruggedness, the wildness of that sort of mirrored, you know, the ruggedness of my own life. And, um, and yet the most beautiful place on earth. So it's, you know, it's kind of like this paradox between this rugged, hard way of life, but this unbelievable, unbelievably beautiful backdrop in which to grow up. Um, so yeah, it's definitely very much a part of the story. Well, I can attest to that because uh, Thad and I were privileged to come visit you in uh, Tennessee for the launch of this book, All the Pretty Things. I had never been to East Tennessee or Appalachia, and let me just say it did not disappoint. So all of you all who live in that area of the nation, you are blessed, just so <laughs> blessed. But you, you write about the importance of your daddy, the importance of a father, and how that really formed and continues to form your life, um, what he was like and the funness that was his family as well, because you write about that quite a bit, you know, everything from, you know, frequenting prisons to, uh, you know, driving cars at age 12 and um, Jesus called wreaths, you know, <laughs> it's like yeah. a myriad of fun and pain at the same time. Yeah, my daddy. I am definitely a daddy's girl. And my daddy had a lot of demons. But he, from the moment he laid eyes on me, my mama told me, he, you were the apple of his eye. And I knew that. And, you know, when I started writing this book, when I knew that it was going to turn into a memoir, I went into it thinking, you know, maybe, probably, this ache that I've had my whole life, this ache of fatherlessness and being untethered, being unspoken for, um, this ache that I have lived with, um, you know, I just went into it knowing that I didn't get what I needed from my dad. Mm -hmm. And the more I wrote about us and our adventures together and our story and how charming he was and how, um, just, uh, almost otherworldly he was, you know, he was just kind of had this outrageous, magnanimous personality and did all these crazy things. <laughs> um, you couldn't help but love him, but it, it's definitely not, not someone that you would, you know, that you might choose to raise your young daughter <laughs> either. <laughs> and so, um, I loved him from the beginning. He and I knew that he loved me. And when I finished writing this book, I realized that for all the crazy things that we went through together, he loved me. And I knew that. And there's something um, so comforting. It, it showed me what it's like to be loved by an outrageous, reckless God, you mm -hmm. know, which is what we have in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so 
I finished the book really um, so thankful for him. And when you read the book, some people, you know, have said to me like, oh, I don't know how, you know, you've had so much forgiveness or how, whatever. I finished the book with just a heart full of gratitude mm. that I was able to be loved by this man um, as, you know, as um, harrowing as it was at times with him. Um, I'm really thankful. So I think for anybody who has struggled with a father-daughter relationship, really anybody who struggled with a parent relationship, I think you might find some comfort in this book um, in that way because I just it just took me on a journey that then I was able to take the reader on a journey to see our parents with a little more compassion, with a little more um, grace and forgiveness. Yeah. And it, it's a process. I mean, it took not only three years, not only three years to write, but there was a lot of years leading up to even beginning to even consider the topics that you write about. Um, I really, um, I'm capable of, <laughs> of sharing the heartache of my own story and the long, um, difficult journey of my own healing. But I think there is something in that that helps us um, that gives us strength when we see, mm -hmm. I mean, I know I've been strengthened by other people's stories and how, you know, and how God has brought about healing in a oh goodness. Mine has not been a straightforward path, but, um, he just, the Lord just kept chasing me down alleys until, you know, he just wouldn't give up on me. And, and I think that, you know, when we share that, it's not a prescriptive, um, it's not prescriptive writing. It's not a prescription for somebody else to figure out how they can get over it. But I do think there's something about it that has inspired me when I read it from other people. And I hope that it has that effect when people read my story. I'm sure it will. Now you write of people who maybe quote unquote, you could say stepped into your life as a father figure or mentor. People who extended compassion to your heart that was life-changing, that marked you forever. I'd love it if you'd share a little bit about that and how that can help be a catalyst for us to consider being one of those people for someone who maybe is growing up in an unfortunate circumstance. Oh, I tell you, when I think about those people, it just, you know, it's hard for me to believe that God was so gracious to keep sending people. I say in the book, in the last chapter that, you know, maybe fathers are this thing that we're drifting on through life and, you know, and we don't realize until they're gone, you know, how much we needed them and how much they, they buoyed us up. But my daddy was more like a piece of driftwood. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he was very, very interesting, but not very dependable. And I feel like the people that God put in my life were just stepping stones. They were like life rafts that I could jump from one to the other. And I can literally think of one for almost every year of my life that God brought to me just at the right time that would take me under their wing, give me rides home, pay for me to go somewhere, buy my food, um, encourage me in sports, um, just over and over and over again, he kept doing that. And when I got to the end of the book, I thought to myself, who am I doing that for? You know, who, who am I the life raft for? 
because God rescued me from this for a reason. And, you know, and I want to pay attention. Like I want to pay attention and I want to be someone's life raft. I want to, you know, be there at just the right time with just the right thing. And so it's made me pay so much more attention to the people in my life. God doesn't bring people in our lives on accident. He brings them very much on purpose. And when he brings someone into my life, this journey that he's had me on has just made me pay attention. And I want to, um, you know, I want to be that for people. So yeah, he, he's been so gracious to do that over and over again, still doing it. I mean, I, I, I just see people all the time that he brings that I just know he's just bringing to bless me to, it's another version of a life raft, you know? Yes. Now you are a family practice physician. How does a girl go from the childhood that you had with so much independence, not a whole lot of direction or support? Um, Do you remember the moment that you made a decision? I'm going to be a doctor. Well, a few things happened in my life. I had a really bad foot injury when I was young and, um, I got rushed to the hospital and I remember so many details about the hospital because it was so clean there and nice there and bright lights and the food they was had food. Really good. I was going to say they had food. <laughs> plenty of food. We had candy, drinking out of straws. Like there were so many things there that I just paid attention. Now I won't say that, you know, from that moment I wanted to be a doctor, no, but there was something about that incident that was very that turned something on in me or was really inspiring to me. And then I think honestly that, you know, it's just in my personality to claw my way. (laughs) You know, I think that living without and living coming from those circumstances, just, it just lit a fire in me Mm -hmm. that I didn't, you know, I wanted to, was I trying to prove something? Probably. Um, you know, just always competitive by nature. I'm not going to grow up like this. Like I'm not, you know, I'm going to do something better with my life. I'm going to, and that drive, uh, probably that came Mm -hmm. from, you know, my upbringing took me to, um, to medical school. And then the heartbreaking thing, honestly, is that, you know, First of all, my daddy died, uh, the year before I graduated. So he never saw me graduate. And, and even if he had of, you know, that's not necessarily something that would have impressed him. (laughs) And I I think my whole life, you know, you're trying to earn this, maybe a love or a something that I felt was missing his presence missing in my life. So I'm trying to prove myself. I'm trying to impress people. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to, you know, do things that are, that society looks on as good And I got to the end of that and, you know, there was an emptiness there still because no matter how hard we try or how hard we work or how much we prove ourselves, God loves us just because he loves us. And the same was true for my daddy. It wouldn't have impressed him. He loved me, but he wasn't impressed by me. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a valuable lesson to learn about God, too. He's not impressed with us. We don't have to keep striving. He just loves us because he loves us. And, um, so powerful. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I achieved a lot in life, but really the best lesson came when I realized that (laughs) nobody needs my achievement, you know, um, 
God just loves us and and that's enough. Yeah. And yet learning that took a really long time. I mean, we're condensing a decade or more, right? Yeah. So and a tears and a lot of therapy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> One thing that we do know is that suffering in life is inevitable. Um, but the thing is, suffering can be different when it's something that happens to us, like your childhood versus something that's the result of our own choices. Sometimes, you know, it takes a lot of junk to be passing through before it unravels you. And I know for you at the end of that journey with your daddy dying, you know, having two small children, completing a medical degree, you spoke of the emptiness that you felt and you began to unravel, you know, a divorce happened. Um, so much of life fell apart. What do we do when life falls apart and we end up at the bottom, Edie? Because you know what that feels like. Oh, I have so much compassion. I know, because, me too. Um, so, you know, in my past, my dad was famous for setting things on fire. And he, you know, he burned down a couple of houses, a trailer, some cars. He pushed a car off of, you know, a huge bluff. He was kind of had this outrageous, <laughs> this outrageous um, personality. And when I got old enough and after daddy died, I started to unravel in a way that I, it felt like water rising around me and I couldn't stop it. And, um, I just totally fell apart. I say in the book that it's like I set my own life on fire. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. I started drinking. I had an affair. I got a divorce. Um, it was just an awful um, series of you know events that, mm -hmm. that led me really to the bottom. And um, here's what I can say about it, though. God is never more near to us than when we come to the end of ourselves. So That's true. where he's waiting. So true. He's waiting so true. right there when we get to the end of ourselves. When we haven't, he obviously wasn't impressed by me after that series, you know, that year that I burnt my life down. Mm -hmm. um, and all I could do, all I had left um, was, all, all I was left holding was my own sin and guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. And when we come to that point where that's all we have to give him, that's all we're bringing to the table, that is when he works his miracles. That's when he does the great exchange. Our sin, you know, for his saving, um, our grief and despair for his hope and peace. It was really the beginning of me finding true peace in Christ. And, um, and I don't, you know... I don't make any excuses for that period in my life, but I do know that whatever he needs to do to us to bring us to that point, he will continue to do over and over. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't even the end for me. That wasn't the last fire. You know, it probably, uh, you know, I probably have fires to come because I'm stubborn. <laughs> I keep needing to learn this over and over again. Um, but you know, looking back, it was the beginning of really finding Christ. Yeah, you're finding your way back. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I found it so moving that it was your daddy, the one who was the driftwood, the one who was the 
undependable one, the one who, you know, at one moment would be volatile and the other moment would be so sweet and tender, introduced you to Jesus in the beginning. And then all of the unraveling in the in the course of your life and your own choices, your own driftedness, so to speak, becoming the catalyst that drove you back to Christ in the end. Um, it's yes. it's a beautiful bookend um, to have witnessed as a reader and as a friend. Um, tell us about the fire at your home because you've blogged, you know, you said over eight years, many readers of yours probably are aware of that component of the story. And yet there's so much symbolism that was even in that. Oh, I know. You know, it's, it's interesting. Our house burned down in the middle of the night, three days before Christmas. We barely got out. Like Our everything gone, right? Like everything no, gone. No time to grab a thing. Burned to the ground, no time to grab a thing, blazing on fire. I woke up at 4.30 in the morning to this blazing fire. My husband crawled through the house, somehow managed to open the door. I jumped out a window. Um, and then we were, you know, standing in the front of the house watching it burn. Couldn't get to our kids. I tried several times to go up the stairs. Couldn't get to our kids, just crying mm. out to God, screaming, it was just the most horrific night of my life. And um, my daughter, my oldest daughter, was upstairs, and her two little sisters were, were there. And I kept screaming for her to try to come. I said, I don't think there's fire in the stairs. There's, it's just smoke. But I tried three or four times to go through the smoke, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't get my breath. And mm. so finally, Katie... Um, you know, comes down the stairs with her sisters. She's had the forethought to cover their mouths with, and their noses with their pillows. Everybody gets out, you know, and not long later, I mean, it just all burns up. Mm. And, um, the amazing thing to me is that, you know, my oldest daughter and my oldest son had gone through this, you know, this terrible time in my own life, this divorce, this, you know, horrible, um, just a horrible thing to go through when you're a little kid. And then she ends up being the one that rescues, you know, her little sisters from the fire. Mm. Just, you know, an unbelievable um, picture of of Christ's redemption of us and how he, you know, he brings us through the fire. He keeps us safe. And yeah, it was, mm. it was really amazing. And, you know, not to sugarcoat, you know, you're, you're so glad you all, you know, we all got out. You're so, so like unbelievably thankful. And then you wake up the next morning to this awful reality that everything is gone. And, um, and yet nothing that matters is gone, you know? So just walking through that for the next year was, um, yeah, pretty, pretty horrible. Pretty horrible. You know, I went yeah, went through a terrible depression that year, unable to sleep. I was having nightmares a lot that the house was on fire. Just, mm. you know, just the trauma yeah. from how it happened, I think, was difficult. And then in a way, you know, I'm thinking to myself, well, of course, of course, this is what I go through because this is my, how my life has been. Mm. And um, those tapes the other play. Thing, those tapes play. Yeah, they do play. Mm-hmm. The other thing that was interesting is Steve and I, you know, right before this had just gotten back in church. We had just gotten our life, quote unquote, together. 
Um, we, we had been taking a Bible study, doing a Bible study with our pastor on the book of Job. We finished the Bible study on Sunday. And as we leave the, the, the Sunday school class, our pastor says, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And on Tuesday, our house burns down. Mm. And so I have this horrible feeling like, well, we just got our lives back together. We just got back in church. We just, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, those words in the scriptures can sound just perfectly wonderful until they're burning your house to the ground. And then you start to question, well, is this really for me? Is this redemption really for me? Or am I just one of those people that just bad things happen to, you know? Mm-hmm. So I struggled with that for a long time. But but again, God's faithful and you know, his, his, um, his love for us and his redemption for us carries us through. And, um, yeah, so we made it through another fire. (laughs) We made it through another fire. Yeah. It's funny when we rebuilt our house, we stood on the back deck and we were just so emotional, just so thankful that, you know, God had restored, not just the brick and mortar, but restored our faith, restored our, broken hearts, you know, and we just wanted our house to be, um, you know, a place that he would use. Like if, if, you know, maybe we should adopt, maybe we had all these thoughts, like, how can we use this house? How can this house (laughs) be a life raft Mm -hmm. (laughs) for somebody else? And, um, so we started pursuing adoption and we were, you know, we went to an attorney. We basically said, Hey, are we too old (laughs) to adopt? We already had a bunch of kids. We already had eight, you know, and um, so we started the process. We started filling out all the paperwork. And about six months after we moved into this house, my husband's youngest son, who had been through, you know, a rough time, kind of rebelling as a young 20 something. And um, he asked to come live with us. So meanwhile, while I'm hoping to decorate a nursery for a little (laughs) baby boy, we get God has a funny sense of humor and he sends us a 22 year old with baby like boy <laughs> boy with near dreadlocks and a <laughs> you know a barrel of monkeys mustache and never showered and it's just so interesting how God works because over those next three years he just I realized when that when that son of Steve's um finally moved out, all the trial we went through together, all the meals, all the heartache, all the tears, all the doctor's appointments, just all of it. You know, I realized when he moved out that God had given me another son and, um, and it didn't look like I thought there was no cute nursery to decorate. Um, but he had made me a mama again. He had given me love for a child that wasn't my own in a way that that was so profound And then not that long after that, you know, he brings another little boy into our lives that we've been able to love on. And um, I don't know. It's just amazing. He he just I think when we open our eyes to what he's doing, we realize he's at work all around us and we can join in on that (laughs) or not. And I I just want to have my eyes open. I want in on it. You know, I want help in what he's doing. I want to use our house, use our resources. Um, You know, he's broken our hearts a hundred times with those two boys. (laughs) But, um, but 
I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm so thankful. Well, the thing about it is in each of these situations, in many of our situations in our own lives, it looks like this is not going according to the plan. You know, like this is <laughs> this is not, you know, you say, Lord, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, and this is not the plan. And yet he says, it's not about anything you're doing. It's about what I'm doing. And, you know, what would you offer as insight or wisdom when we have these situations that just don't seem to be adding up? How is it that we can have a change of heart, how we can choose joy, we can choose service, we can choose um, selflessness and actually find a gift? Yeah, and that's the, that is the, Part of it. That's the thing. God has brought us, is bringing us through fires. We all have our own fires. And sometimes, I mean, I feel like I've had my unfair share of them, you know, Mm -hmm. like, why does this keep happening? Or why, or, you know, whatever. Or, you know, I can look at it that way. Or I can choose to see that what he's doing is preparing me to serve. He's preparing me to be the life raft. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm going through today may seem impossible. It may seem like there's no way um, this can turn out like it's supposed to. And it probably won't turn out like you think. But I think if you look at how he works, every heartache, every disappointment um, is is a, he's doing something in us if we're willing to let the master work. He's doing something in us to prepare us to take care of his people. That's what we're here for. We're here to be a blessing, to help walk each other home, to uh, use our lives, our resources, you know, to help other people. And what he's doing in us right now is probably just preparation for that. And so I look at my own heartache and say, okay, what are you doing here? How are you changing me so that I have eyes to see the people right in front of me that can use my gifts? Um, And we don't have to look far. I think we think it has to be some grand and glorious, you know, thing that he's doing. It's not. For me, it usually looks like making a meal and tying some shoes and (laughs) picking up toys and praying before bed. And it looks so normal that we often dismiss it. We wait for the big thing that he's going to do. And he's working every day right in front of us. You know, the little things that we do all the time, these gifts that we offer to other people, the things that we do all the day, all day long as mamas, the laundry, the meals, the, you know, those are sacred works that God, you know, has prepared us for. And I just don't want to miss it looking for, you know, wishing it were something big, like wishing I had some big grand adoption mm-hmm. from China. Yes. My story doesn't look like that. It looks like a little boy who comes every other weekend and I get to make his food and play ball with him and drive with him on the four wheeler. You know, it looks so ordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, back when people were doing that for me, it, did, it wasn't spectacular. It was just an ordinary kindness from a stranger. And, um, and that's what we are to be to other people. So whatever he needs to do to me to keep my eyes open, I hope he'll keep doing it. You know, I hope he'll keep me, keep me, um, focused on others and, um, looking for how I can use my gifts to serve. 
I hope he keeps me there. Yeah, me too. Me too. Because that is really, we've received grace, not by anything that we have earned, not by anything we can do or fail to do. And um, that's what he wants us to do. Love our neighbor, right? I've heard you say that a gazillion times. (laughs) You know why I say it a gazillion times? Because I'm not very good at it. (laughs) And I remind myself over and over and over again. I actually have an alarm set on my phone. I was just going to ask you to share about that because I I put one on mine too. You did? Because of you. Yes. Tell them. Well, It comes from this quote from Brene Brown um, that says there are two kinds of people in the world. Someone who walks into a room and says, here I am. And someone who walks into a room and says, there you are. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference in those two people. And I want to be a there you are. I want to make people feel important and special. I want to use my gifts to serve them. Mm -hmm. So I have a reminder on my phone that says, there you are. It just reminds me every day. The attitude that I want to go into my family with, the attitude I want to walk into a cafe with, the attitude I want to walk into church with. Yes. Um, so it's a good reminder for me, and I need it because I'm so stubborn and hard-headed that the daily <laughs> reminder is not even enough. I need an hourly <laughs> reminder. <laughs> oh, don't we all, though? Don't we all? Well, you know, when you write memoir— you're writing about people in your life. You're writing about family. You're writing about real people. It's not fiction. And when you release this book, um, I'm imagining there could be some angst, some trepidation, some, you know, dare I say, anxiety or stress about them reading the truth, them reading their themselves in your perspective of the story. Because we all have a perspective of our own story, right? Yep. So... Okay, here's my advice. This story has been percolating in my heart for a long time, 30 years. And I think that you can't write a book like this unless you write it from a place of love. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to wait long enough. If you're, you know, if this is something you want to do as a writer or you want to do as a family historian or whatever, I think you have to wait long enough till you're really healed. And You know, I heard Emily Freeman say this, and it's so true. When should you write? When should you share your story in a public sphere? When you can bring a gift to the reader Mm -hmm. and when you can do it with love. And so I don't have, you know, hard things happened in my life. And I don't have, I don't hold any grudge there. I don't, I wrote this because I love those people, not because, Mm -hmm. you know, I wanted to, tell some kind of whatever story. I, I did it from a place of love. And, um, and I think people who have read it can see that, you know, I think that, um, and that takes time yeah. because yeah. we all have to process our own pain and you don't want to process your pain in a public sphere. You want to process it, you know, at the altar yes. <laughs> with a pastor, with a therapist, with a friend, And then when you have found healing and you have a gift that you can bring the reader, then I think it's time. And so for me, it it felt like time. Um, But even yet still, it's hard. And I, um, you know, I, I let the closest people in my life read it to make sure that it was something they were okay with. And, um, and, you know, there've been a couple of people that have, 
had a different, you know, a harder reaction to it. And I just pray for them. I didn't have any ill intent at all. I, you know, I did it really from a heart of love. So I just pray that, you know, that people continue to find healing really. Yeah. Well, and as we read it as readers, it helps us not feel alone, you know? Yes. Yeah. That's what I hope. That's what I hope and pray. It definitely did that for me. And I hope and pray that it is that for other people too. Now, as a physician, you, even though you came home um, and chose willingly to stop actively practicing medicine, you still aren't without things. <laughs> You're, uh-huh. You have a life full of running several businesses. And um, I'd love for you to share a little bit about how the stress of writing, you know, what did that look like in those um, three years is a long time. I don't know that most people take that long to write a book, do they? <laughs> I, don't think so. I don't think so, Jackie. Why did you have to bring that oh. up? <laughs> Because maybe there's a writer out there who's discouraged that it's taking them a long time. And the thing is, it's a gift that you're going to give the reader eventually. And it's okay to struggle through. Yeah, it's interesting because the period of writing this book was was really just some dark days for me. And, oh, I slid into an awful depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. um, really, really, really rough time. I ended up going back and getting some therapy, and that did help, too. Um, I found one of my friends introduced me to Young Living Essential Oils. You mentioned that earlier. Mm -hmm. And um, it was just a huge help. It sent me down this like crazy two or three year, you know, wellness journey. Um, And, you know, being a physician, it's been crazy because I have all these colleagues and partners, you know, who... (laughs) live in my town who probably think I'm half crazy. But um, I just found incredible healing from these gifts of God. And it just came at the right time because, you know, I was trying to write this difficult memoir. One of the things that they did for me was just help with the emotional healing. I mean, it's just been an incredible gift. Um, So yeah, I'm still in the I'm still in the healing business. (laughs) a different way. So I did give up my practice. I gave that up quite a while ago. And um, yeah, so I just do natural wellness and teach classes. And it's funny because, um, you know, we've been friends for a good while. And I knew you were a nurse. Yes. And it's one of those things where you go, okay, I have these friends who, you know, are in the medical field. And I'm just not pushy with it. Like, you know, you came here, you, you know, came for our square dance. We had a great time. You kept asking me about Okay, well, I have to tell this, though, because this was crazy. Because I brought my husband to Tennessee because we had wanted to visit Tennessee. And you gave us a really amazing excuse to do that because you were holding a square dance. Who doesn't like a square dance with cowboy boots and hats and all of that? Because I grew up with my daddy listening to country music. And incidentally, there's a playlist that goes along with this book because every single chapter of this book is a song title, little piece yep. of trivia. Um, and so I'm sure they all can find it on Spotify. But um, I digress. Um, we came to Tennessee because it was a really good excuse to meet you. So we go to your friend Jeannie's house and we walk in and Jeannie's house is a beautiful, beautiful house. And um, just so excited to see you. And we're walking around in the house, meeting everybody. And my husband, who happens to be a very, you know, he's just not a schmoozer kind of person. He's just very, 
you know, intelligent and um, serious sometimes, but yet has a dry sense of humor. He says to me um, after the night has gone on, he's like, I do not know what's going on with all these volcano things with steam coming out of them. (laughs) (laughs) He goes, but this house smells amazing and I need you to figure out what this all is because they're in every single room and this house smells amazing and I don't care how much you have to pay to get our house to smell like this, but you need to get on it and get to it today. That is hilarious. And I'm not sure what planet I've been on that I didn't know what a diffuser was. Um, maybe there's somebody listening who's like me who didn't doesn't know what a diffuser is. But it's this thing where well. you put water in it and then you put these drops of these essential oils in it and you plug it in and it vaporizes the oils that God made in these plants that people distill and condense down to uh, offer for us. And... um it's just been amazing. And I couldn't believe I told you just this a while ago, what took you so long to tell me about these? Maybe you can tell us a little bit about what they are, because I've come to learn that they're pretty amazing. And plus, I was bossed by my husband to get them. So what can I say? Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they're just so cool. You know, it made me realize after I got introduced to them, that it's really just part of, you know, God, I I think when I look at the set of gifts he's given me, he's given me the gift of healing and, uh, or, you know, to help people find healing. And, um, this is just another piece of the puzzle. And because they're all natural, God designed them, made them specifically to work in our bodies, unlike pharmaceutical drugs, you know, which aren't designed to work in our bodies and cause all these side effects. And, you know, for somebody trained for all those years to prescribe pharmaceutical drugs, um, it was just hugely eye opening for me. And had I not had my own healing experience with them, I would have continued to be skeptical too. But um, yeah, it's just been a huge part of the journey for me. I'm so thankful for them. And, um, you know, it's it's what I do pretty much full time. I love it. And I'm so glad that we got to spend time together because I think it's, you know, it's sometimes easier when you can see how somebody incorporates them into their life. Yes. You go, oh, yeah, that's not so weird after all. So, you know, it's just part of how I like to help people. I think my book, it's in a different way, a gift and how I hope it can be helpful to people. Um, The oils are just another way that, you know, I feel like we can be of help and service to people who are looking for ways to feel better, have more energy, sleep better, Mm -hmm. balance your body, balance your hormones. So, so many good things, Miss Jackie. Yes, so many good (laughs) things. Well, I'm wondering if you would tell me about one of your very favorite essential oils and what it can do for you? Well, one of the ones that was really crucial to um, me getting better was frankincense. Frankincense um, is, you know, of course, like it's for the oil that Jesus, right? Jesus, so yeah, <laughs> but um, so good for emotional distress and, you know, feelings of anxiety and depression. So that was one that I used early on, um, use it, you know, on your skin or in your diffuser has such a profound effect on mood. So um, for me, that was amazing. We also have, you know, one of my favorites is our hormone blend, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. So those two right there, if I ever get stranded on a deserted island, I'm taking the oils. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I'm so thankful that finally I came all the way to Tennessee so that you would finally tell me about them because it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of like like you go to Trader Joe's and find some cookies that are amazing, which by the way, I've discovered these little lemon wafer cookies at Trader Joe's for real, like for real. They're amazing. Everything at Trader Joe's is good. I know. Um, but these are lemon drop cookies. And I would not hesitate to say to somebody, oh my word, these cookies, you have got to go get yourself some tomorrow. They are so delicious. You can eat nine or 10 of them for only 120 calories. <laughs> it's like such a deal. Um, but I'm starting to feel that way about these essential oils because it wasn't until using them that I really understood, understood yeah. um, how my mood could be changed by lavender or how my headache could be helped by peppermint or how my water could taste better with lemon. You know, it's, it's just something you have to experience. And we tell our friends about things that we love all the time. So anyway, all that to say, um, I'm super thankful to you that we can partner together today to offer anybody listening your book for free in addition to a $20 product credit with Young Living, if they want to go over to the link that I'm going to share and um, sign up to get their very own starter kit today. And it has everything you need to get exposed to the very basic essential oils. It's what you recommended that I get when uh, my husband bossed me to start start yep. with everything Um Tell them. Well, it's probably, you know, it's probably a good addition to this book. This book is going to bring out all these emotions and now you're going to have something to help you deal with it. Right. Okay. So tell them real quick, what's in a starter kit? Well, you get, um, 11 oils. So you get 11 oils and a diffuser, the the little volcano thing. That puts steam out. (laughs) Yep. And then lots of little samples. The best part though, is you get added to, um, our private Facebook group where we teach you how to use them and um, just teach you all about these little amazing unicorn tears, I like to call them. Mm. So yeah, it's a great deal. And um, so yeah, if you want to, you you know, you can pick up a copy of the book anywhere, but um, we would love to help you get started. So this would be a good little, you know, a good little way for you to do that. A good little way. And there's a lot you could buy for $20. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, that link's going to be JackieWatkins.com forward slash all the pretty things. And you can go to that link. That link will live forever. So even if you're listening to this episode, um, you know, as we're airing it in 2016, if it's 2017 or beyond, um, that link will still be there. And we would love nothing more than for you to join us. Edie, I can't tell you how much you mean to me as a friend, as a mentor, as someone who took me on your journey through your life with your words. Um, It really is a gift to read them. And I hope with or without a premium starter kit, my prayer is that each and every person would take time to go get this book, All the Pretty Things. It's the best book I've read in a long time. And I'm not just saying that because I know you. I, it leads you on a journey of self-reflection. It points you to Christ. It's a, a friend who's been there who can hold your hand and help you know that you're not alone. And I just can't be more thankful. They can get it at your website. They can get it on Amazon. They can get it on um, an audiobook if they want. Um, just essential oils or not, I just want you to have her words to take you the long way home. And so... 
You can also join us at JackieWatkins.com forward slash all the pretty things to get your copy of Edie's book and $20 of product credit with Young Living if that is something you want to join us in your wellness journey. Edie, thank you so much for being my friend, for coming to be here with us today. It was my honor and pleasure. Thank you so much. Love you. Love you. Well, that's all for this episode. Isn't she just the most precious person? Seriously, she is one of my most favorite people on the planet. And I think you will feel the same way once you get to know and love her. I'm going to link to everywhere you can find Edie in the show notes page. You can um, hop over there and find her in all the places. And I just value you as a friend. And because I do, because I meet you here each and every week, I could not not share with you about this book. I have been waiting all summer to bring Edie on the show and share with you about this book. This book changed me in some beautiful ways, and I'm just so seriously so thankful for her writing this book and wrestling through stories. You know, we talk about mud stories on this podcast and the hard things and the things she shared with us here don't even begin to touch on all the depth that she's written about in her book. And that's why I wanted to create a way for you to have Edie's words for free because I believe in them so very much. I think it's going to touch your heart and just help you not feel alone in whatever you're going through. And also, just like you would share something that you've discovered that's changing your life with a friend, I count each and every one of you who meet me here each and every week to be my friend. And I have just discovered these essential oils that are literally changing the life of me and my family. And I couldn't not tell you about them. And the thing about it is, I hate network marketing. I hate being salesy. It's one of the reasons I have not done any advertising on this podcast. I know a lot of podcasts, they do, you know, commercial kind of things or they promote products or things like that. And I haven't wanted to do that because I just have wanted to meet you here with just the real and raw stories of our mud and to help you not feel alone. And so when it came to these essential oils, I just feel like it's what I would do with a friend, somebody who I value, somebody who, why would I would not want to tell you about something that's amazing and changing my life? And so I'm so thankful to Edie for introducing me to um, these gifts of God that are found in plants that are just so powerful and so life-changing. And I, if they can help you a little bit on your journey through the mud, I would love nothing more. And so I'm so grateful to Edie for being willing to give her book away for free. Also, we're going to offer a $20 product credit with Young Living Essential Oils. It's an amazing company with medicinal grade therapeutic essential oils. They're incredible. And um, $20, you can buy a, a great oil there um, on their website for that and be blessed with Edie's, Edie's words to help you through whatever mud you're going through. And so if you want to join us today, Edie and I would love nothing more than to welcome you in to link arms on our wellness journey emotionally, spiritually, physically, all the ways. And um, what will happen is when you go to the link JackieWatkins.com forward slash all the pretty things, you can click through and establish your own wholesale membership with Young Living. It's very self-explanatory. If you have questions, you can email me at Jackie at Jackie Watkins. 
jennifer.watkins.com. But you'll just click through each of those pages that are self-explanatory and complete the purchase of your very first premium starter kit. It's 11 essential oils, including a diffuser and a couple samples of their antioxidant drink called Ninksha Red. And um, yeah, and so once you complete that account, All you have to do is send me an email and let me know, hey, I've decided to join you and Edie. I'm so excited. And I will send you out a free copy of Edie's book and credit your account with $20 of free Young Living products just for you. And um, if it's something that you desire, we will add you to our Facebook community so we can journey together. And listen. Because I believe in this so much, if you have questions for me, if you want to text me or you want to call me, I'm going to give you my personal phone number right here and now on this public podcast. You can text or call me. I can't even believe I'm giving you my number, but I am. This is how much of a friend that I feel you are. You can text or call me at the number 951-444-5944. That will go directly to me. Now I'm I'm trusting you not to spread that number publicly, but that is how much I care and how much I believe these therapeutic oils that God has given us can change our lives. And so if you would like to join us, JackieWatkins.com forward slash all the pretty things. I can't wait to walk with you. And I'm so very thankful for your friendship. So much thanks to Edie and for joining us today. Whatever it is you're facing this week, whatever mud it is you're walking through, wherever you've been or whatever is to come, it's my greatest desire for you to know you are so, so very loved and you are never, ever alone. Have a beautiful day.